the Agostin Hosinga show with your host Agostin Hosinga. Smack the shit out your bitch ass midget girlfriend, nigga. <laughs> Hello there and welcome back to the Agostino Zynga show with I, your host Agostino Zynga and this is episode number 589. Is it 589? Let me double check this. No, it's not. It's 586. I just skipped ahead a few episodes. So it's 586 of the Agostino Zynga show. Welcome back. Hope you are well wherever the show has found you. I do apologize for the long and extended break. It feels like I've been taking way more breaks in between shows the last few weeks as I have done previously. Um, usually I'm always banging these things out two times a week, three times a week, four times a week, whatever it may be. But obviously due to my earlier sickness and some other things happening in between and just me and live going out and living life, I've been slacking on here so far and I'm not really happy with it. So this is my declaration that I'm back, baby. I am back. So yeah, thank you so much for those of you who've checked in. Thank you those who haven't cared, who haven't noticed. I do appreciate you too. And here I am back again in the hot seat. So what's been going on with me? Where have I been? Um, in terms of where I've been, not where, nowhere crazy. I'm still here working for the most part from home, um, living my life as best as I can. But for the most part, recovering from back-to-back ailments. So I had this thing going on with my tonsils earlier on which was what a few weeks ago which kind of took me out for basically the best part of two weeks maybe a week and a half if i'm not being dramatic then right soon after that i ended up having a really gnarly sinus infection you know the kind where you're blowing into tissue paper and the bogey is like fluorescent green like not to be disgusting i hope you're not eating or anything but it was like lime green like super super brown. I was like, okay cool this is not a good sign so obviously i had to you know recover from that and get better and just kind of recalibrate myself i bought a neti pot i started um i started eating loads of things to kind of you know drain my sinuses and kind of get me to blow my nose a little bit better cleaned up my diet all those good things we had to do drunk loads of fluids and luckily it kind of worked and now i'm kind of back to some semblance of normality even though maybe you can tell if you listen to the time i've wasted there's still a bit of a blockage there in my sinuses but i think considering the amount of abuse i've put my sinuses through over the years due to my extracurricular activities i don't think i'm ever going to get rid of that little you know that little blockage that i have in the background but hey we can only dream so that's how kind of happened back to back and it's annoying because for someone like myself i don't necessarily like getting sick i don't think it's a weird thing to say i don't like being poor (laughs) but you know what i mean right i don't really like enjoy wallowing i don't enjoy being still i don't enjoy not having plans and goals and regiments and things i want to take off my list to do and whatever and creative stuff i have to do on the side and going out and about i don't i don't like not being able to do that even though sometimes i don't end up doing them all the time the fact that I have the option to do it is good enough for me. And the fact that when you're ill, you don't have the option to do anything apart from recovering, it kind of can play games in my head. But I did okay. I had a couple of days where I was moping around and being a little bit of a negative Nancy. But after a while, I just kind of accepted my position, accepted where I was at and kind of thought, you know what, I'll get better in time and it'll just take time. 
the, the more I focus on my recovery, the better I'll be. But if I started like pining for other things, it's not going to really aid me in the long term. So that was pretty much okay to kind of get me over the line for that regard. But it did, it did put things, some things in perspective in terms of me just taking care of myself in general and not being so reckless in how I live my life, quote unquote. But, you know, considering my personality and my temperament, it's probably going to be difficult to curb. But it did kind of put things again into perspective in terms of, no, in terms of importance, you know, the things I value in terms of doing this podcast, in terms of DJing, in terms of going out and seeing my friends, visiting family, going to see friends, well, you know, whatever it may be, right? I value those things a lot. And I feel like as soon as I did get, somewhat well again i didn't went out a lot because i wanted to make sure that i enjoyed those things that i didn't get a chance to enjoy so then i end up like putting podcasts on, on the lace on the wayside which obviously i'm trying to kind of recover from so that's something that i kind of learned throughout this period you know what i mean like it kind of just lazes you into what your real priorities are what you really deem to be important and what things you kind of want to spend most of your time doing what time what things you don't want to spend your time doing and i feel like um i've kind of got to that stage now which is nice because i did have a little bit of a crisis of confidence as well during that time because you know when you're sick you just you can't help but think negative force and i'm not really a guy that does a whole negative thing at all i try to keep myself I'm not I, I'm not trying to say I'm always half class um, full, but I do like to just I don't know I, I'm just a believer that life for the most part is full of struggles for the most part I don't think we're kind of put on this earth to just enjoy the riches and the fruits and the you know and the honey and all that sort of stuff I think for the most part life is kind of like a, a constant war of attrition in a weird way um you're constantly battling against something right you're constantly battling against yourself against others against peers against society whatever it is you're, just, you're always in some sort of battle and it's just about how long you can kind of stick in it and you're going to have some times in your life where there's going to be an amazing time right you're going to see the the sun shining on your face you're going to see the the creek that you're looking for the river of water that you can drink from whatever it may be right um but most of it is going to be struggle and if that is the case then that means you're going to have some good times so if you're going to have some good times it means the struggle is temporary that's what i'm basically trying to get to the point of that's why i tend to kind of be positive because as much as it hurts to be in a shitty position it's not going to last forever you know what i mean just kind of suck it up somewhat and you're going to get through it but again the level of struggles that everyone gets that's the bit where it becomes unfair because some of us just get given a horrible horrible deck of cards and sometimes it's not your fault that you can't recover. It's not your fault that you can't fight through. It's not your fault that you can't um, have the mental fortitude to persevere, to grit your teeth, to knuckle down. Like not everyone has or should have the ability to do that. I don't think that's obviously fair of people either because if we're all different, you know, if we, all, um, if we if you believe we're all made under the image of one God, whatever, but we've all got different personalities and stuff, I think part of your different personality is your ability to kind of withstand negative experiences and horrible situations and blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> and I feel like for me, because I have the ability to do so, I have more sense, I'm more sensitive and more empathetic or empathetic, whatever that word is, to people who don't have the ability to do so because I know how difficult it is for me. And I have my moments where I'm kind of like, God damn it, man. Why won't I just, why won't this just like stop? Why can't this just like, well, why can't I just stop struggling? Why can't I just get to the point where I'm kind of suddenly doing the thing that I want to do and kind of contributing to the world, where I want to contribute to the world, helping the people that I need to help out in terms of friends and family. I can get to that point, but I'm also aware that, you know, this kind of journey is usually a once in a lifetime journey in terms of like, you don't usually go through those 
struggles twice. It's usually a different struggle, but it's not the same struggle. If that's the case, then most likely you're going to get to a point where it's going to be a good time. So it's a bit of a give and take sort of thing. But it's a it's a unique perspective on it. I know some people just be like, you know what, throw your hands up and just give up. But that's not really an option for me. But anyway, that's basically what I kind of get through in terms of being ill and stuff. But apart from that, nothing else has been going on really. What else has been going on? I'm watching a couple of TV series here and there. TV's been a bit crappy in terms of series I like to watch. I did actually stumble across a pretty decent one though on FX called um, The Old Man, um, which is pretty decent. It's essentially about a sort of retired, deep, um, undercover um, CIA type of killer dude who essentially um, backstabs the guy that he's meant to. He's obviously in deep cover with, I think, somewhere in the Middle East. He backstabs the dude and ends up hooking up with his wife end up running back to America and then obviously he's older now and I guess he has to repay his sins from what he did back then and it's a constant sort of you know um, flashbacks and kind of present tense sort of stuff kind of explaining the story and how deep it may be and to be fair it's pretty decent the action scenes are really good um, it's obviously a bit of a cliched story and subject matter because you know there's many of those series out there but I'm really enjoying it. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I'm really actually enjoying it. That's been about it. And obviously, the Stranger Things season finale. I'm currently still catching up on it now. I think I've got one more episode to go, and then that's about it, really. But it's a bit crappy in terms of TV stuff at the moment. I think I'm gonna have to switch over and start watching some movies and documentaries, and maybe reviewing those for the podcast or something. Because at the moment, there's not not much to talk about when it comes to TV series and stuff. But you know, what can you do? So, um, continuing on with the show, I want to quickly update you guys on last week's adventures or last week or a couple of weeks adventures so i think i mentioned prior that i wanted to go to fold to go see d dan and law cross play for this um night called night service which i hadn't heard of before i guess they do events prior to this beforehand but essentially his promoters were putting on this event at fold for the first time and they were bringing over d dan i think might have been his london debut i'm pretty sure it might be his london debut and obviously law croft come down too and those are two people that i'm familiar with because of social media the power of social media and it kind of got me thinking about the way I use it in terms of promoting myself when it comes to the DJing side of things because I think I don't necessarily put out many clips on my own personal Instagram page in terms of the podcast I do and record but if you look enough if you look deep enough into it into my links and my bio and stuff there's usually a link to the podcast somewhere shape or form there there might be a picture or two or a little clip I've uploaded of myself DJing on my Instagram profile but I don't necessarily push it as like oh this is me 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 and this probably comes from a lot of self-confidence issues, maybe. It may come to a lot of perfectionist sort of stuff too, thinking that maybe the thing that I'm putting at isn't quite the level that I want people to see at the moment. But I do think there is something to be said for just, you know, doing a Virgil and putting it out regardless. It doesn't matter. Just keep putting it out. Keep consistently sending the message that you're this person, you're this person, you're this person. Because, of course, it's congruent, right, to who you actually are. So why not share that with the world? And I think that one of the reasons why I think this was this why I'm bringing it up because I think over the last what two years, especially when we were in lockdown, most of my time was spent you know lusting for flipping nightclubs, right? So I was online watching old clips of clubs, people in places. I was watching old festival stuff. I was watching DJ live streams that most of us were doing at home. And one of the places that I was watching a lot was Hall, right? That that station from um, Berlin. It's like in an underground toilet or whatever it may be, right? The green one everyone kind of goes to to play at nowadays. And it's essentially now turned into essentially the German version, the Berlin version of Boiler Room. They've kind of really blown up over the last couple of couple of years. I've saw they've done now live streams at festivals and stuff, which is big money because, you know, they're basically paying for their services and whatnot. The views some of these DJs are getting on there are crazy. 
some people I haven't heard of are getting like 50 plus thousand views on their streams and shit. So it's really taken off in a big way. But I think one of the real kind of, um, one of the real sort of, I think, amazing parts of that station is the fact that they're able to showcase people like this and essentially give them the opportunity to kind of touch different audiences and fans and stuff, myself included, because I'd never heard of D-Dan or Law Croft, who I mostly discovered through Instagram, but D-Dan I'd never heard of beforehand prior to not checking him out, um, playing on obviously Hall, right? And one of the first sets I think I saw was this one, courtesy of um, Hall Berlin, right? And this was from 22nd of January, I think last year. It was the first time I said, and again, I never heard of the kid beforehand. Um, I might have seen his face somewhere online, but I never really paid much attention to what he plays and what he's about and whatnot. I'm going to quickly play a little clip here, just jump across maybe it's like, you know, 30 minutes and see what he's playing. But this is kind of how I kind of discovered who he was and what he was about. absolutely flawless mix in it flawless 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 mix and then when it comes to Laura Croft I discovered her via this page called uh, Rape Don't Stop and they posted this epic kind of clip from her playing I think was it some sort of fundraiser for Ukraine um, and I guess towards the end of the show it says in the title an incredibly emotional closing track and moment from Laura Croft during her set at Club Culture United stand up for Ukraine set in Berlin. so yeah I think this is the yeah United we stream set I think they were raising money for Ukraine once I think this is at the time when the war was first breaking out there and um, she played this song because I think if I'm not mistaken it was something to do with one of her one of her closing tracks from the first time she played in Ukraine or in Kiev and obviously Kiev's got a massive techno scene there and she's got loads of friends there, I'm assuming too who are probably stuck and kind of go through incredibly difficult hardships at the moment so you can only imagine you know once a war breaks out and then you can be asked to play at this fundraiser what this sort of emotions can kind of bring out when you're playing this track on this sort of live stream and again this is the main reason why I discovered who she was as well as a DJ herself so the power of social media is fucking incredible So cool, isn't it? So yeah, so 
why I bring this up, I was saying to you, I was saying to bring this up in general in terms of myself, in terms of thinking about more, more ways I can kind of do pushing myself in terms of the DJing thing and putting it out there, making myself more, what you call it, visible in that way, shape or form, especially nowadays that the whole like playing in clubs things or bars for the most part is sort of dried up. Why not use this opportunity to try and push out more of my content and put it online? So the plan is going forward, especially after being inspired about watching these guys play in Flipping Fold is most likely I'm going to either set up another channel or I think at the moment now there's places where you can buy smaller channels and just kind of rebrand them, set, set up shop on there and be kind of put on my live streams on there more often and just do it more often really. That's basically the plan. It's not really rocket science or anything, but I just need to do it way, way more often than I'm doing at the moment because I just don't feel like I have enough of an identity online as a DJ that would actually, that would make anyone give a shit, do you know what I mean? And I feel like I'm a lot of these people, what they end up doing for the most part, you know, how seriously they take it. Oops, I'm not going to play it, but you can tell how seriously they take it from just how they present themselves online and stuff. And I feel like I need to, to do that more often now going forward. So that's the plan with me going forward in that regard. But that being said, man, these two guys that flip and fall, it was maybe one of the better events I've been to in a very, very, very long time. I have to be honest. One of the better ones I've been to in a long time. And I think... <sighs> There's not enough said about how important it is, I think, that this place exists in London, honestly. Legit. Fold, right? And more so because of just the idea of there being one place in this godforsaken city that's number one open until six. And the number two, most probably, maybe even number one most important, is the fact that you have to flipping cover the lens on your camera phone. Like, they make a point of it. Once you go to the flipping, um, once you queue up outside, there's usually a bouncer that's got like a palm of tickets or stickers they give you to tag on your thing the only thing i'd say if i would kind of make an improvement would be like it would be better if they would just you know once you're going to the security check-in to kind of you know unload your flipping phones and positions into a bowl it probably make more sense if they just gave the security guards the stickers and told them to put them on the phone but i would imagine those type of security guards they'd probably want to ch charge you more for basically applying the stickers on the phone so most likely as a compromise the fold said hey just give them the sheet of stickers and then they can put them on there but insist that they put them on there because obviously the security guards don't want to be fiddling you know taking off stickers and putting them on phones especially when it's cold or whatnot or they're wearing gloves doesn't make any sense so i get it in that regard but i think even if you don't end up putting on your phone and you just lie pretend you don't want to do it or whatever it may be i think just the act of them doing it to you and telling you to do that is akin to a security guard saying hi to you when you walk into a store it's like, you know, having worked in retail, part of the reason why they do that is sort of like psychological. So you can kind of, if you were thinking about shoplifting, you're now aware that that person saw you, right? Because part of the reason why people shoplift or part of the reason how people shoplift well is that you don't want to be seen. But where, whereas it depends on if you're a graffiti type guy who does, you know, does the old racking from back in the day, you actually make it a point to make yourself seen so that you look less suspicious. But anyway, usually for the most part, people don't want to be seen. So if you, alert them that you've seen them it usually kind of takes down the chance of them going in there and kind of stealing all your happy you know your kinder buenos and shit so you, the fact that they even give you the sheet in a fold i think it makes you kind of automatically understand okay cool i'm in a different space and it kind of clocks you out in a different way then you have to kind of go through the security thing and open up your bags and whatnot and they're usually pretty jovial it's a pretty fun experience not fun but you know what i mean it's not the most intrusive experience ever in the terms of the search then you go get your ticket you know looked at you take a picture of the thing which is a little bit weird but i feel like the fact that they have it at the same place where you get a ticket it kind of takes away the kind of creepiness of it but i don't really like it too tough but it is what it is 
then you walk up the stairs and then you kind of start your little mind pilgrimage your little mind cleanse in terms of getting yourself ready for the rave and you open the big doors you're welcomed by the, all the you know lockers around you the person you know renting out the padlocks and whatnot but in general i think there's a loads of processes even from opening the big heavy doors it kind of at every turn it feels like you're being prepared to party in a different way than you've have done in any other club in london and again for someone that's traveled to berlin and been with all the best clubs in the world out there i feel like they've done a really good way of kind of copying all those kind of assets or best parts of those kind of places without making it feel anything too cringy do you know what i mean it's still kind of it they still kind of do their own thing in that kind of way and i feel like when i went to this event called night service to see d dan and Laura Croft play that was something that kind of really took me you know kind of surprised me again once i was there because again i go all the time to fold but it's just nice to kind of see that kind of reminder once you're in those kind of spaces and damn man those guys absolutely blew the roof off that place man lord Croft is definitely somebody that i would say is a new favorite dj of mine because i've listened to d dan even though i haven't seen him before i've listened to his sets online so i knew kind of what to expect but lord Croft definitely blew my face off in terms of surprising me what she's about and both of them seem like generally nice people too so that helps it should, shouldn't matter really you know the djs can be pricks or artists can be cunts and you should be able to separate the person from the art but i still think it's nice when the person's decent and they've got like they seem like they've got a good heart so you kind of want to root for them and yeah man i had an absolute blast of a time i can't lie really really great time and i have to kind of give night service credit because i think they've got another event coming up which i can't actually go to unfortunately at the venue mot loft coming up soon but really very well put together night um i think it's a like a boyfriend and girlfriend couple uh situation who kind of put the event together with um and then maybe this is person as well i forgot which one it is but someone in this lineup is a boyfriend and girlfriend and they've got another friend that they get involved in so it's kind of a little bit of a family affair but i love the fact that they kind of go out there and get people who don't necessarily play here too often and kind of introduce them maybe to a different crowd mix it up a little bit here and there because they've got yeah they've got this event here coming up on the 9th of july um featuring some people who i don't know Al alarico grace doll so yeah, who's that? Da, 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 da. Who's Alarico and Grace? I don't know who these people are. Uh, da, da, da. Let's see. Um, Alarico visits via Italy and Berlin, and we are beyond excited to have him for our London debut. Again, loads of London debuts. So that's pretty cool. Um, neighborhood horror restaurant. Da, da. Talented Grace Star joins us from Amsterdam. So yeah, loads of people that you don't really know too tough about. But I would definitely say I trust their programming. So if I see Night Service in the promotional headlining top title whatever maybe i'm definitely gonna go out of my way to go to their events because i had a blast at fold it was really one of the funnest experiences i've had in a very very long time clubbing and everyone was on a, on a on a good vibe there people were really going for it um and yeah i had an absolute blast i can't complain man so that was one of my highlights of the weekend actually so definitely 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 recommend you check out um fold and night service and what they do there and in general just the place anyway because they usually got fun events on there and <laughs> As clubs go, it might be a bit pretentious for the first time you go because, you know, people take themselves very seriously there. But I think in general, I still think people are, I still think it's legit. I mean, as, as places go, it's still one of the more, more legit places to be at. And I'm definitely thankful that it exists here for sure. Definitely thankful it exists. Moving on, I want to touch upon this. A bit of a sad bummer one to bring up, but I want to just touch upon it quickly. This is a video courtesy of Vogue, which features Virgil Abloh's closest collaborators pay tribute to his legacy. And I'm not really sure if this is in 
in response to it being maybe a year anniversary of his passing i'm not really too sure too tough or if it's something that they already plan to do um just as a response to kind of his opening of the exhibition happening now at the moment i think it's at the chicago museum or something but regardless it's a really touching tribute and i think one of the things to kind of point out about his video that i really liked oddly enough is that i think some people were having having some very not nice things to say about Gigi Hadid I think the other Hadid sister um, because she looked quite bloated in the screenshot of the thumbnail of the image which is quite mad to see because you know you'd imagine after everything that's gone on with these celebrities online and us seeing them looking very different in their appearance and then later on finding out that they're battling these private flipping illnesses and diseases and stuff you'd imagine people would be a little bit more kinder and a little bit more um charitable people online but you know i guess it's the internet people can talk shit if they want to and it is what it is but one of the things i really appreciate about it is that people like Gigi Hadid legitimately looking like she was bawling her eyes out at the recording of this video just goes to show how much of an impact that man had on people who i don't think he could have really helped too tough you know what i mean if that makes sense i think it's one thing if he's like virgil's like had a you had a you're sobbing because somebody like Virgil kind of reached back and kind of pulled you up because you were some kid, you know, just writing on t-shirts and he literally saw you and, and liked the font that you used and wanted you to help out on some things you was doing with Off-White. I think it makes sense why you would be legitimately distraught because this was somebody who at his level shouldn't have been paying attention to you because he should be too busy. But because he's a pure internet kid at heart, he was online seeing stuff, noticed your comment, randomly touched your profile and then boom, here he's in contact with you. I get why you'd be bawling. But for somebody like a Gigi Hadid, who's like at the pinnacle of where she's at in terms of fashion, in terms of modeling, in terms of image creation, in terms of just being amused, all that good stuff, there's not much Virgil can do for her, really. Yes, he can help her out in terms of putting her, you know, showcasing her with Off-White, especially her and Bella, they do stuff together in terms of, you know, he seems to like those sisters quite a lot. But just in terms of um, career-wise, not really much I think he can do for them. So the fact that she was balling that much just showed how much of a decent human being Virgil was as a person to these people and how much he touched them in a way that probably they haven't been touched when it comes to fashion and creative people at large because they're just you know it's all a little bit transactional in terms of the relationship which is not a bad thing but you know the nature of the business so I thought those two tributes were the best so sorry the, the, tribute, the tribute from Bella was the best and I mean Gigi I said right Gigi and then the other one I thought was the best obviously from Den, Den Matias was another guy who kind of you know spoke no and, and then this guy too actually I got on the screen I forgot his name the guy that does all the cars and stuff um I forgot his name again please forgive me but i think these people hopefully they have the list of people that they spoke to here vp da, da, da. who that who they speak to they've got a list mm. no they have a list of people they spoke to did they damn it anyway um so they in general i think these are definitely some of the more touching tributes that everyone had to say about it right so i'm going to play a little bit of the clips now for you so you can see what i mean about this but i think Let's start with Gigi because I thought her comments were really, really touching as well regarding his legacy. One time in Paris, we're like, let's just get coffee, and right away, like, I just knew that he, I called these people like my star cluster, like someone that's like your soul friend. Um, and I just felt that so fast for him. Um, and 
yeah, I think right away we were able to talk about so many random things that I couldn't talk to anyone else about, like miniature pottery and um, like weird like felt artists and stuff like where all my friends wouldn't be interested. Like I could send it to V and he would find inspiration in it as well. He could totally talk to anyone and find something that was interesting about them to him and that um, he found inspiring. And I think he made a lot of people feel good about themselves and seen and heard. That's actually a good line to say, isn't it? That's actually a really, really good line to say about him. He made everybody see, feel seen and heard. Absolutely amazing. And then quickly going to scroll through, show you the dentist, um tribute to. I thought he had some really good things to say about Virgil too. One second, let me scroll ahead, let me scroll ahead, let me scroll ahead. Right, there we go here. And by the way, everyone on this video looks like they've been absolutely bawling their eyes out. He looks like he's been either up for 17 days or he's been crying their eyes out. So I'm not sure if this was filmed right after the Off-White show, the last kind of one that he um, touched with his hand or the old Louis Vuitton, I'm not really too sure, but everyone looks like they've been super, super emotional going through this. So again, man, like it just goes to show a lot about you as a person and if after your passing... Um, after all the clout tokens have been used up and the sympathy flipping likes online don't really matter anymore that people are still thinking and talking to you right in this way and I say it only because you know I've worked in this I've worked in this sort of industry in this field for a long time there were moments that I've had kind of my own little struggles in terms of dealing with certain people and personalities and how I can kind of maneuver and go through it to the point where I kind of stepped away for the most part and kind of ran away really and it's sort of facing up and kind of running at the problem but hey we all kind of have our battles to choose. But one thing I did notice is that there are some people in that scene who are like good, like genuine people, like genuinely good people who just happen to be into that field, right? And it's really surprising when you meet them because you're like, how did you stumble upon this clusterfuck of dickheads when you are just a nice, genuine human who just wants to put out good work and kind of inspire people and stuff? And um, it looks like Virgil was one of those guys. And again, I only met him briefly here and there. But for the most part, how they talk about him, the reverence they have with the guy, um, especially in his passing, goes to show how much of a decent guy he was. But I thought Demetrius' points here were really touching too. Like, um, you know, it's like the creation of the earth. So it like rained. Earth was all water. And then it was raining. And then the lightning kept hitting, hitting the water until the single cell organism came out of the water. And that's same thing that I feel music for all of us is all this other stuff we do crawled out of that primordial goo that was just stimulated by music, 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 and then the record covers, you know, Porn Ariega record cover, you know, so on and so forth, Mob Deep, keep going, I'm, I'm scratching the surface, you know, Camp Low, you know, like just like you can keep going and, um, yeah, I think all the style, the way we, because it started with right the music and then our style, and then us starting to make make things. You know, the music gave us the confidence to make things because the music, we saw the influence music and our culture had on the whole world. So why can't we make things if we're the thing that we're they're drawing inspiration from? Because we can't go to these places or make things or 
have jobs here, yet it's based on our DNA, our IP, and that's what we would talk about a lot, you know, and then um, then we stopped talking, started doing, but he's the first, he's one of the first ones to start, start doing out of our, our tribe, and was, um, enough inspiration for a hundred lifetimes, yeah, yeah. And that's the main thing, I think, takeaway in terms of Virgil's legacy. I think I remember saying when I kind of made my tribute video and stuff is that I think the main thing to take away from it, as kind of tragic as it was, is that the guy packed a lot in, in 41 years of life, man, a lot. He did, and especially if you think about it, if you really kind of get really granular with it in terms of numbers, it must have been like, what, maybe just under 20 years in terms of his creative output, in terms of being on the front lines, putting stuff out in streetwear, in terms of fashion, in terms of communicating stuff with album covers, stage design, with soundscapes. It was probably maybe just under 20 years. He packed in so much from going from screen printing t-shirts and flipping, flipping rugby flannels for 1600 for whatever it may be, or $600, whatever it was, to then suddenly going to design for off Louis Vuitton. Because the off-white thing was just basically, I think, an extension of the, the thing he was already doing with the screen printing. Right? Even though it was obviously great to put on the runway, that's kind of something that I think a lot of people could, I'm saying, you could envision someone doing that, right? Starting a t-shirt brand and then wanting to then progress and take it to a Paris Fashion Week runway. I don't think anyone could envisage somebody taking a screen printing, you know, t-shirt and then suddenly being considered for a job like Louis Vuitton. Maybe a, a brand or a house that isn't very well regarded or isn't on its knees and is struggling and needs to be reawakened or whatnot and needs to you know come back into the cultural zeitgeist okay you can maybe envisage um some young streetwear kid basically getting that job but for someone to go from where he was to there was nuts especially when you think of his connection to Kanye especially when you can think about it back in those days too how people looked down upon streetwear it wasn't like how it was now where nowadays it feels like it's a lot more well regarded quote unquote kind of not so much but you know what I mean right so for him to go from there to there was absolutely insane. But most of the reason why it happened was because the output was just crazy. It was just undeniable. And I think that's one of the rare occasions I've seen something like that. Undeniable. Because sometimes you think, I think to myself like, oh, there are people that say stuff like that, right? I'll oh, become undeniable. Um, make sure, you know, if your work is good enough, someone will notice it. But it's not always like that. It's not always easy as that because there's a lot of people out there who are talented, who are doing loads of great work every day, uploading stuff onto Instagram, uploading stuff onto their Flickr, you know, updating their vlogs, doing whatever, and no one gives a shit. Sometimes it's just luck. Sometimes it's just meeting the right person at the right time. All those things can also contribute. But there are also those occasions where somebody's just operating on such a high level regardless of what people are saying about their work because again let's think back to those times it wasn't like people were saying Virgil was like the second coming of flipping Karl Lagerfeld I mean if anything they were laughing at those comparisons they didn't actually get it they thought no this guy's absolutely trash he's only here because of hype bloody blah 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 but he just kept on producing which is even I would say more difficult to do than just producing and no one liking your stuff imagine you're putting stuff out and then people are leaving comments and telling you it's trash but you keep putting it out and then suddenly you end up at Louis Vuitton it's like whoa which I mean but most of it I think comes down to the he's relentless work ethic and I think I wouldn't surprise me that he was probably that kind of person who was like after so many dinners talking about how you know racist and no, so about all the systemic racism at play in terms of fashion, in terms of streetwear, in terms of production, in terms of manufacturing. It wouldn't surprise me if he was one of those people that said, you know what, enough. Let's put our glasses down. Let's let's make a toast and say, 
or let's you know let, let's pour up and make a toast and say look tonight we decide this is the start of a new beginning we're going to do everything in our power we're going to use every single resource every bit of consulting money every bit of um you know djing gig fees we get whatever we do we're going to pour it all back into our arts we're not going to be buying anything we're going to be pouring everything back into what we're going to be creating for the sole purpose of leaving our mark on a cultural timeline as aaron bonderful law let's just say back in the day and i think that's what he probably did to all of them and it's no surprise that again the company you keep that most people within these little vortex are super successful now it's no surprise everyone that comes around and touches it because it's imagine being around somebody like that who's operating at that level vibrating at that kind of vibration and also putting stuff out of that kind of quality being recognized for it selling out all these sort of things it's only going to rub off on you so that leaving that impression is incredible so i think those two examples are really great in terms of him as a person because you see that for someone like a Gigi Hadid, she felt seen by Virgil, right? Even though she's one of the most seen people in the world in terms of her profile, one of the most famous models out there, probably one of the most well-paid ones. She, for the first time, felt seen by somebody in the industry who connected with them as a person, as a human, right? Um, and then on the other side, when it comes to Tremaine talking about him, he says, you know, like, the guy was one of a kind, right? In terms of understanding what the problem was, but also saying, hey, enough talking, let's get going let's get to working let's get the work done let's do the action and he proved to everybody that if you do stop talking and you do do more work eventually you will end up getting everything that you want absolutely insane and probably more do you know what i mean in terms of what he was able to achieve so um again really good tribute i really recommend you check it out obviously if you don't want to be emotional don't probably check it out but it definitely was a good touching tribute it's called um virgil abloh's closest collaborators pay tribute to his legacy courtesy of vogue check it out on youtube if you're that way inclined i really do implore you if you're a fan of his because i think it was really really good uh moving on want to talk about main united main united main united oh yeah 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 it's funny isn't it right all of this um all of this talk about change and restructuring of the club and murder madness and they got rid of Ralph Ragnick because they went to streamline things and why do you blah 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 trust the process in the end at the point of speaking right now um we still sign nobody despite our disastrous last season despite how woefully we ended the season despite how terribly we played the lack of squad harmony all these leaks the terrible you know structure of the club the terrible management the terrible ownership the flipping damage that oligon soshag left that club and team in we still haven't signed anybody and this is even on top of off the back of loads of big senior players such as paul pogba and co deciding to leave the club no one has been signed yet and if that makes things you know that's one thing that's maybe a bit difficult to kind of deal with the other thing now is kind of difficult to deal with is this news kind of that kind of broke over the weekend so most people have been paying attention this shouldn't be no surprise but it has now been confirmed by i guess christian elders and representatives that he wants to leave united amid concerns of transfers and trophies now i've been following this guy online on twitter called z i don't know what his actual full name is but it's some guy called z who's kind of an, an insider let's say he doesn't call himself a journalist but he seems like he has his finger on the pulse and knows the people that matter i guess within christian Ronaldo's kind of close circle maybe in terms of his agent his management group whatever i don't really know <coughs> but he broke this news a while ago that Ronaldo and his agent were basically having conversations with the club or conversations with their team internally, especially towards the end of the season and saying, hey, we need to kind of focus and look at the bigger picture here because this club isn't what the club... Because I think the thing with United 
unless you're not watching us week in week out you just assume that we're doing okay it's only gonna take a couple of transfer windows um a decent manager and then suddenly we're going back where we need to be right that's what most people assume and you also assume that we're owned by owners who would react to a bad season because i think most big clubs unless you don't have the money for it but most big clubs what happens is that if you have a really bad season you usually react or usually usually respond by making a big marquee signing early on you maybe get rid of a manager you maybe get rid of a player to send a message but you do something as a response to kind of the bad season to kind of give the fans um hope that you understand what's going on to alleviate some fears to maybe send a message to suitable players that you want bloody blah 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 but when Ronaldo came to the club I think he realized finally especially in the his team that the United that he left is not the same one that he came back to and it's quite clear to him especially when you watched our, our season our games towards the end of the season that this club is not going to be successful I don't think for the next 10 years personally for me as a United fan and I've mostly said that not because of the managers or whatnot but mostly because of the owners unless we get different owners unless the Glazers sell up and we're owned by different people who care about sport and success over commercial success we are never going to be successful because they set the template they set the precedent they set the overarching goals and whatnot and what matters and what doesn't and until that changes we're not going to go anywhere anytime soon. I think Ronaldo realized that once he was at the club full time, he saw, okay, cool, this isn't going to go well anytime soon. And him being 37, 38 now, and still at, I think, the top of his game in terms of being able to score goals, but still with not a lot of time to do that at that kind of level, because he looks like he doesn't, he doesn't want to play in the MLS. It doesn't look like he wants to go play in flipping um, Southeast Asia. It doesn't look like he wants to go play in the Middle East. If that's the case, he has to be very careful about the places that he stays and where he plays at. So if you sign a two-year contract with a club, you can maybe afford to break the two years and go to another club and maybe try and win yourself another league title, maybe a domestic cup, maybe challenge for the Champions League, just to have a good highlight reel and add to your goals tally. All those things that really matter to Ricochet and of course, if you can win it, that's an incredible, incredible bonus, especially at his age, especially to prove the doubt was wrong. But... Can we honestly, hand on heart, say outside the Champions League, can Man United do anything this season coming up? No. Do I see Man United win the Europa League? No. Do I see us challenging for the Premier League next season? No. Do I see us even challenging for domestic clubs? No. If that's the case, Ronaldo has no business being at United. And he probably should have never signed a two-year deal. He probably should have always signed a one-year deal under the proviso of like, hey, I'm coming here for one year. It's going to be a good time to kind of say you know um thank you to the fans who've always supported me single my name at the club all the time um it will kind of give me an opportunity to kind of prove my worth again on a bigger stage and one of the hardest leagues in the world at that age i'll score the goals for a dysfunctional team i'll show that i can drag this team kicking and screaming maybe into top four maybe get them close and if i don't cool it's been fun and i'll bounce right you get your shirt sales money in through the through the flipping cash register i get to increase my profile remind people what, I'm, what time i'm on and we keep moving and the fact that it didn't happen is a is a weird, but still, I think the two year contract should have been an indication to most fans that this was the time he was always on. But it's also interesting to me because it feels like he's also in a weird way running the club. In the same way, do you remember the stories that came out prior? where they were like, oh, he was questioning Harry Maguire's captaincy and why he was captain, which was clashing with him in the change room. And again, as much as I'm not a fan of Harry Maguire, I kind of do think that it's unfair if you do make Harry Maguire captain and you sign a player of Cristiano Ronaldo's calibre and you don't maybe give him a heads up. You maybe just let him deal with it. He's only in the dressing room. You don't remind Ronaldo that Maguire's a captain. 
in terms of simmering down, but you effectively create a problem in the dressing room, especially for the captain, who was also kind of, you know, one of England's kind of marquee players. So that's obviously not a good thing. And then on top of that, it felt like just in general, though his kind of attitude towards Ralph Ragnick, his attitude towards the club in general, how he would kind of demonstrate and remonstrate on the pitch if he didn't get the correct pass. It just felt like this is a man who clearly felt like he was above the club that he came back to. He kind of felt like this club's a joke. Everyone around me is fucking loser. And I'm going to keep reminding him every day. And I feel like this saga now that's going to be unfolding in the next week or so because um, all the senior players, I think, come back to training tomorrow. So for the most part, I think there's only been uh, some youngsters playing in training and obviously people will come back on loan but everybody basically comes back on monday so if that's the case and he doesn't come back on monday or if he does come back on monday and reiterate that he does want out because we're not signing any players it'll be interesting if all of a sudden man united didn't announce three back-to-back signings in a week because that will clearly show where the power is of the club and i think that's a major problem which is why i say we're going to be successful because top clubs don't let one player no matter, no matter how good they are dictate what they do to not to this level unless you're a psg and you want mbappe to stay and you give him some dog shit flipping title just for the sake of it but you don't do you don't let one player dictate what you want to do you should have an overarching goal and a plan in terms of where you want a club to go and how you want to take it but it shouldn't be up to one player to decide and it looks like it is up to one player to decide at the moment but anyway, the article from sky sports is as follows the 37 year old uh, feels the urge to win even more in the twilight of his career but it's understood to feel that he may not be possible or trafford next season the 21 campaign was a, it was the fifth in the successes in which united failed to win a trophy ronaldo is also understood to be concerned that united are yet to make an improvement to the squad and in the current transfer window 13 players left the club in the summer but not one yet has yet to arrive so if one of the worst seasons ever in history we've let go of 13 players but we were, haven't signed one so you can understand where another trepidation will come from. And again, I agree with what he said, but I just think in principle, I just can't be having one player, you know, telling us who we should sign and when should we sign them and giving us deadlines and shit. That's fucking nuts. But anyway, it continues. Ronaldo respects United a lot, especially the fans, and is said to be in love with the club. Yeah, sure. And this coming season will be the first in his career in which he will not play Champions League football if he stays at United. The Portugal international has never played in the European League, which United will be in next season, and last played in his predecessor of the UEFA Cup when he was at Sporting Lisbon in 20, 2020, Jesus, 2002 to 03 season. Which should be a surprise too. If you're a United fan, did you really expect to see Ronaldo in a United kit, you know, with the Europa League flipping anthem on flipping BT Sport? Really? I don't think so. Um, it was always kind of a little bit of a misnomer, that one. But while Ronaldo is keen to, to leave United, um, United are keen to uh, are taking a stance that he's not for sale and expecting to see how the remainder of his contract with expires in summer 2023. Skysports has contacted May um, for comment. So, yeah. I think it's absolutely incredible. Um, I think it's absolutely incredible uh, that this is happening, but also a reminder of just how far we've fallen as a club. Our worst possible season ever. Um, we don't react in the way that you'd think a top club would react. There isn't really a big statement from the club, really. We haven't really heard anything from the club. They've not really come out and said, hey, here's our goals going forward, reiterating what we want to do as a club, what we want to do as a team what we're going to do as an organisation it just doesn't it feels a bit flat we got rid of Ralph Ragnick even though he was the person that was spearhead that changed because he was getting a bit too mouthy and saying stuff out loud that people didn't want to hear you know you had Rio Ferdinand basically telling him in no way shape in, in no uncertain terms before he got fired he was probably going to get fired and in the end he did get fired um, and it's just a complete horror show really right a complete horror show 
So if that's the case, I understand why somebody as ambitious Ronaldo would want to leave. But again, like I said earlier, I'm just not comfortable with one person dictating to a club what they should do in terms of the transfer market, when they should sign players, at what heads, you know, at what speed they should go, at, they should be completing these deals, the caliber of the players. It's just, it's, it's just insane to me. It feels like completely insane. But again, for a club that's rudderless with no direction, it makes complete sense because what else are they gonna do? I mean, they have no other option but to listen to him because he is the only person at the club who's actually won major trophies, who actually played for some of the biggest clubs in the world, who's played at the highest stages in the world. So it makes sense why everyone's kind of quivering in their boots about it. But Monday's going to be very interesting going forward in terms of what they do. Personally, if it was me, and if I was United, I could never have a 37-year-old player, no matter how good he is, leading the line next season for a team at United, especially considering what we're going through. But I would decide one way or the other. Do you stick or twist with him? Do you decide to stick with him, give him the armband, tell him to lead the line, buy some younger players to support him in the round to be dynamic and stuff, and then tell Maguire to simmer down and shut up and just kind of write off his transfer, even though you know Ronaldo's going to leave before Maguire does? So you have to decide on that, on that regard. Or you just go out and just kind of start from a completely clean slate. A complete slate, sorry. You get rid of the Marshalls, you get rid of the Shaws, the Pogbas, all these players, and you just start from absolute zero, which I think is what Ragnik wanted to do, right? He wanted to start from scratch, <coughs> which is why he said he needed 10 players to come in. But United don't want to do that because they don't like selling players. So that's the case. You kind of put yourself in a rock in a hard place. And now you basically have to kind of do half and half you kind of have to stick with Ronaldo even though you're not sticking with him because he's only here for another year and you kind of have to play or you kind of have to kind of put your, bury your head in the sand and pretend like the Harry Maguire Ronaldo thing is, is going to go away which it isn't going to go away because clearly the fans hate Maguire but they love Ronaldo and then Maguire's got the armband and they all hate him so naturally it's going to cause a division regardless and Maguire tends to make way more mistakes per game than Ronaldo does or mistakes that people seem to care about more so I don't know so it's just, it's just a complete shoot of a situation I'm not really looking forward to the next season no I'm, I'm looking forward to next season in terms of our playing style I actually want to see if it's capable for a coach because we all think Ericsson Hogg is a great coach he takes training he's actually got a style of play He's a bit of a disciplinarian. I actually want to see if it's possible for a coach to come in and whip the guys that we have in and now squad at the moment into shape. Are they redeemable? That's what I want to see with my own eyes. Um, and I want to see if there's an improvement in our style of play, in our intensity, in our fitness, in our pressing, all that good stuff, in our ball possession, in our pass selection, in our crossing ability, our footballing IQ. Are, is there a demonstrable change? And if there's a ceiling, fair enough, but can I see an improvement from last season? Fine. And on top of that, if there's some good football to watch, I'd like that as well. But in terms of honours, in terms of trophies, in terms of challenging, in terms of all the drama stuff, I could do without it. I really could care less because it's not going to happen. No, it's going to happen in terms of drama, but in terms of trophies, we're not going to get anywhere close. You don't just suddenly turn, you know, a ship that's flipping heading from an iceberg that we are around in one second. Do you know what I mean, it takes a lot of work and I feel like at the moment, people in the club are pulling in different directions. Some people are trying to protect their jobs. Some people are trying to highlight that it wasn't me. Some people are just trying to appease the owner. Some people are trying to appease the fans some people are being neutral players are sabotaging it just feels like there's so many people pointing in different directions that 
I just feel like the only way this is going to change going forward, the only way for United is if we have different owners. I don't see any other future for United where we're successful without new owners. It doesn't happen. If, we, if we've been in 10 plus years of purgatory with these guys now, just imagine what it's going to be like for the next 10 plus years. No manager can save us. No player. We, the, there is no Messiah coming down to turn us into a beast again. We need systematic change, root and stem, you know, change. And we're not going to get that with the same owners. We're not. The Glades are, the Glades, I've said before, are maybe top five worst owners in the history of the game. Have to be up there. The 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 flipping, it should be like a, you should be up for a war crime for what they've done to United as a club. From where they've taken it um, to where it is now at the moment. It's just absolutely heinous. And this is for somebody that, again, as much as the dividends piss me off, they could be making way more money off the club if they actually cared about sporting success. That's the absolutely mad feeling thing about it. They could actually make way more money off this club if they actually cared about how successful we were on the pitch as opposed to commercially. But, you know, inept owners are always going to be inept in it. So it is what it is. Number one. No, next one. Number one. Next one I want to talk about. This is a weird topic. Weird topic and weird kind of analysis that maybe only I've kind of gleaned from it that might make some sense here. But I'm sure some of you have seen the news over the last couple of days that Justin Timberlake has sold his music catalog for $100 million, right? And this has been something that's been happening, I feel like, for the last year or two, especially during COVID. A lot of big-time musicians have been basically selling their music catalogs to nondescript investment funds and whatnot and um, venture capitalist people and whatnot. And it feels like, you know, most of the people who are selling it are selling it as a way of, like, kind of cashing out because they maybe feel like, you know, at the moment their career is not going the way they want it to be. They're not maybe as relevant or maybe as, you know, out out there in terms of the you know putting out music and performing all these festivals and stuff so if you know how they're competing with everybody at the moment and somebody comes up to you, you know kind of a quote-unquote legacy actor wants to give you 50 million plus for your music catalog then it might be a good time to kind of cash in on it because you never know your music catalog could be worth absolutely zilch going forward which it probably won't be but i see what the temptation is, especially if you own your own masters it is like a quite a pretty good payday and if you're an artist and you feel like you're incredibly creative you're probably betting yourself anyway to be able to make a 50 million dollars worth more of good songs in the next 20 years or so unlikely but you you can bet on yourself that way but with the justin timberlake one i think it's interesting because it reminds me a little bit I'm linking this a little bit to the clip that went viral of Justin Timberlake at the, um, what do you think is? What's, what's, that, what's that festival called that Pharrell does? Something in the Water. There's a clip of Justin Timberlake performing at Something in the Water where he's dancing, right? He's doing a little bit of a freestyle improv kind of quote-unquote dancing. And people absolutely ripping him in the comments like, oh my God, he's horrible. Um, I can't believe um, we sacrificed Janet for this guy. Britney we're sorry like just horrible comments about his dancing because obviously he looks pretty terrible doesn't look like the same Justin we knew when we were kind of growing up and seeing him perform um obviously because he's a dad now and he's a 40 plus year old man and he probably hasn't been out there doing his thing for a while and he just looked a bit dad body a little bit stiff a little bit crappy a little bit whatever maybe he just wasn't off night who knows but it also got me thinking in general about his reputation as a person and maybe these sort of like investment funds things that are going around they have people on their boards who contribute to them who are very intelligent people who are probably looking at identifying and picking off these big time artists who are kind of going through a bit of a crisis in public 
image or pers- public reputation, whatever it may be. They're not probably the best of time. They're not, they're not probably having the bestest of times on social. People maybe don't really rate them too much. I think Justin has been going through it with the whole Justin, um, the whole sorry Janet Jackson. I think had a documentary coming out soon recently. I think so, and I think it just highlighted and made people aware of what happened when you know the whole nipple tip thing happened at that halftime show. <clears throat> Obviously, Britney Spears is ongoing issues. There's been a lot of you know conversations around her relationship with Justin at the time too. There was a viral video that went around of some guy harassing Justin Timberlake outside of his hotel room when he was trying to get back in and stuff and saying some stuff about Britney. And then that video went viral of him suffering in the water. It just feels like at the moment, Justin hasn't been, he's not necessarily looked at as great as he was back in the day. And if that's the case and people don't necessarily care for you and then he had this whole thing going on with his wife at the time, right? Where I think he was pictured holding some woman's hand and he'd go for that scandal and whatnot. And I think, you know, Jessica was stood by him. So obviously women hate when that happens because it essentially makes the guy look like an absolute dog. Um, but in general, he's not going through the best of time in public in terms of his um, reputation. So it maybe feels like this group that came in and bought his masters for a hundred million, they might have run off with some highway robbery because they basically pounced on him just when he was his most vulnerableist. Or is it's a real good lick because in general we haven't heard anything good from Justin in a long time. That album he made called Man in the Woods was absolutely trash. Um None of his music hits the same way they did before in the past. Whether or not he's writing amazing records for other artists that we don't know about, I'm not too sure. But his own music hasn't been hitting for a while. So did Justin Timberlake hit a lick because he's not the artist that he once was or because times have moved on? Or did this group absolutely hustle him because they were able to pounce on him when he was at his most vulnerable because people just aren't liking him too tough as a person? I wonder. But anyway, the article says as follows. More talented musician Justin Timberlake is feeling suit and tie vibes. A private fund um, bought his entire music account for 100 million. However, Justin Timberlake only gets a bulk of that if he owns it, which he does. Um, a private uh, fund backed by investment management firm Blackstone Inc., which sounds like one of those weird, shady practices and businesses that were linked to a flipping Jeffrey Epstein and shit, innit? Um, BX purchased Justin Timberlake's music catalogue for an approximately $100 million. The deal went through between the private fund and the music investment company called Hip, um, Hip, Gon, Hip Jonas, Hip Jonas Sony Management um, Limited. The parties weren't, haven't disclosed the details of the deal. The move is part of a large deal be- uh, between Blackstone and, and Hip Go, hypnosis, right? Hypnosis, yeah, hypnosis. In October 21, 20, 2021, sorry, Blackstone agreed to invest a collective one billion in hypnosis to acquire and manage music catalogs. Blackstone is sending the involved deals through an unnamed private fund, which, repos- which reportedly holds nine hundred million billion in assets under management. This fund also has a stake in hypnosis as part of the deal. The Timberlake deal consists of two hundred songs that the artist wrote or co-wrote, beginning in his early days in nineteen nineties and early aughts um, with boy band NSYNC. Perhaps most interestingly, Justin Timberlake is 41 years old, much younger than artists who sell their catalogs to manage their estates like think Bob Dylan and late Leonard Cohen, which is true, but I still think he's 41 in our years, but he's probably like 50 in flipping musician years. Do you know what I mean? He's been around for a long, long time. What does it mean for his own masters? What does it mean, sorry, to own masters? A master's recording is the original recording of a song which the producer can copy to various different purposes. An artist's music catalogue is made up of the master recordings. When an artist owns their masters, they are free to use and sell and capitalise on their music. They can also license their music to third parties and various forms of media. This is also why I'm hoping this deal 
like many other deals that are made public, can also be a wake up call to a lot of people in hip hop who are like always sign shitty deals. Because I'm getting tired of that whole common trope of like, I'm a guy from the hood, I don't know how to read contracts, I was duped, they signed me for a nickel, and they, they signed me for a thousand pound and a burger. It's like, you shouldn't be that dumb and naive anymore, even if you're broke, to be able or be willing to accept that kind of money, especially for your art. Like, I don't do much, right? I DJ here and there, I do a podcast, and it's not that intrusive, it's not that hard it's not that taxing whatever it may be but i can't imagine being an artist sitting down writing raps putting together a song thinking of compositions producing it um mastering it all that stuff it takes long to do right especially if you've got people involved as well then to just be so blasé about who you're signed to and not take any precautions to maybe get it read over by a lawyer or just to sit down for yourself and read it for a flipping day <coughs> personally i never got it I always think it's an excuse to cop out people being lazy. And I feel like now, with this sort of deal, especially with Justin Timberlake only being 40, or 41, sorry, it should be a wake-up call for people to say that, hey, this man was able to make this much amount of money from his art because from a very early age, he realised how important it was to write your own stuff <clears throat> and to own your own stuff. And he's essentially being rewarded for it because now at the time where in his life he maybe isn't the most well-liked person in the world, he's still able to command that level of um, respect when it comes to the deal because of what he'd done prior and because he owns everything, right? He's able to kind of command that respect in terms of the fee and stuff. And that's obviously going to help him do other things in the future he wants to do. Maybe he'll secure the future of his family from generations to come. It might be an investment to do other things. Who knows? But regardless, I think, this hopefully should serve as a wake up for the people a don't sign shitty deals and b try and write as much as your own stuff as possible it continues only mother did just own his masters before the deal land base trader we don't he probably did let's not convince that but yeah anyway that's basically what i'm trying to say the whole thing so i'm not really too sure did, did justin get hoodwinked because this Blackstone group were able to tell that he was suffering out there on in the old Twitter spaces and social media and shit? Or did he actually run off on a plug and this smile is all the way warranted because he knows he ain't got another good song in him? So the fact that someone wanted to pay him a hundred million for his old songs, he's like all laughing away to the bank. I don't know. I don't know. Next on the list here, we have um an announcement, an update courtesy of airbnb which i thought was fairly interesting all things considered so it says here airbnb officially codifies party ban key takeaways in august 2020 we announced a temporary ban on all parties and events in listings the temporary ban has proved effective and today we are officially codifying the ban as our policy so essentially they're making it permanent that you cannot have parties or events at airbnbs which has been a common trope and a common thing people have done from the early onset of airbnb it was never really officially allowed anyway even host even if you told them you were doing an event you know it wasn't just something people would encourage to do but people would do them under the provide under the proviso that they were going to be responsible and what they essentially do i know from my friends who have done it a few times is that part of the budget of of hosting or renting out this airbnb especially if it was for your friends to just go do some drugs and party and dance a lot part of the reason why he did it was that no part of the in the package was to include some money where you would hire cleaners to come and clean the place so you'd hire it out you maybe book it out for a day either side you know when you're hosting an event maybe two more days at the end to clean up or not and you'd hire a team to come in and give it a once over so that when the host does come back in they get the keys that have absolutely no idea that there was a party there and the other thing too is that you would obviously make sure all your friends wouldn't 
upload social media posts at the location until after the event had finished. And then, if, of course, if your account got banned, you move into someone else's account. But that was always the proviso. Like, okay, let's do it. But let's also go take the extra steps to make sure that we do it. And we also clean up and help out the person, blah, blah, blah. But for whatever reason, over the years, it just changed. And people just stopped giving a shit. And they started kind of openly advertising house parties, putting the addresses up on flies and shit. And these are usually residences, especially in the States, places that are pretty swanky, places that don't necessarily show up on Google Maps, places that you can't do flipping street view in, places that people try and want to keep you know, on the down low and whatnot in nice neighborhoods. They don't want that kind of attention. They don't want that kind of look. And it made sense that those guys would obviously the ones would be complaining about it to the point where people would get, you know, temporary bans will come in place. Now, if I'm not mistaken, this temporary ban may come off the back of a really serious occasion. Something happened, I think maybe during lockdown, where something happened really bad. Someone, someone got in a fire, someone got shot. I forgot what the story was. So obviously they had to respond in that way, shape or form. But it just got me thinking in general about Airbnb as a business and how much I've had a quote-unquote love-hate relationship with it, even though I absolutely loved it and from the beginning because I feel like it kind of launch at the same time that i kind of got my travel bug when i started reading stuff like the four hour work week and i started thinking about remote working i started thinking about having an online business i started thinking about traveling i started watching loads of anthony bourdain uh parts unknown no reservations um you know getting into all that kind of stuff it kind of was the same time that i discovered airbnb and it was like a perfect thing right it was like the upscale version of couch surfing remember that website couch surfing the car thing right um we're staying in people's houses or whatnot and this is a an updated version of it where you can stay in these amazing places all around the world in some of the coolest cities in the world for a fraction of the price in people's homes so you got the benefit of like living in a neighborhood you got the benefit of like not it not being a shitty hotel and obviously if you're staying on your own you got the benefit of like staying in a whole entire apartment or home by yourself if you wanted to which is pretty sick if you're going to those kind of you know cooler you know party cities or whatnot you're just hanging out with friends or something that i've definitely 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 um um liked at the time especially when i went to prague for the first time like staying in this amazing airbnb apartment like beautiful beautiful memories of it still even until this day so that was one of the things i loved about it but then over time especially with the rising prices in housing and i guess the economy just going the way it needed to go and you know uk pulling out of the eu and those of these things happening in the world just kind of changed and shifted the kind of landscape of things i guess i'd imagine some of the more you know popular cities around the world gentrification and the lack of suitable housing for people to actually live there suddenly the fact that airbnb were empowering hosts to basically swallow up and you know rent in some cases which was really cheeky some people were doing which is that they were actually renting places but then listing on airbnb and then collecting the money off the back of it do you know what i mean so it wasn't even stuff that they actually owned themselves it was getting a little bit crazy which meant people were then going up and swallowing up all these different properties all over the place because they were basically making money like you know cash of a hand of you know cash basically making money crazy bits of money especially in popular cities because you know there weren't many options available obviously that ended Lords got put into place. I think they had this change in Berlin about it in terms of who could rent places out on Airbnb. London as well had the same sort of thing. And it kind of felt like it died a little bit of a slow death. But for me personally, just in terms of the experience of using the app, it just got a little bit 
crap and boring. The options weren't that great in terms of places to stay. The whole key swapping and meeting thing wasn't always annoying. Having to meet someone, I mean, it just felt annoying. You just could just rock up at a hotel and just get your room. Even though the hotel check-in process isn't always the smoothest and easiest too. You always have to fucking, feels like sign a million documents and passport and this and whatnot. But all that kind of key change thing just got a little bit annoying for me. Um, houses and obviously not matching the flipping pictures once you finally get there, always being a bit of a bummer. And just generally me just thinking, you know what, now I'm a bit older and I have more disposable income. I don't mind paying the extra 100, 200, 300, 400, 500 bucks for the convenience of just being able to go to the hotel, stay as long as you want. They change your seats when you're not in. Um, you can pop in when you want, in and out. You don't feel the burden of having to, you know, not step on certain things. It's a hotel room. You can have room service. Um, it's usually in the main city center of whatever metropolitan city you go into. So there's always closer transport links and whatnot. <clears throat> and you also have the ability to just check in without the hassle of having to meet this person at the shop and do this and all that nonsense. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. <clears throat> and of course, you don't have the extra burden of if you're out and about you end up maybe incorrectly losing somebody's keys, you end up actually feeling guilty about it. So none of those things always kind of helped. And <clears throat> so I feel like nowadays I am more prone and more willing to kind of have my holidays maybe centered around just going to see cool stuff and having a hotel done as opposed to kind of having my holidays also include, oh, I want to have a cool place to stay in when I go to an NBA and somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Whereas beforehand, it was kind of all part of the same process. Like, I want to stay somewhere cool and also want to discover this new place. It's like, nowadays, I don't really care. I just want a hotel where I can go to sleep and lay my head. That's not funky, has decent Wi-Fi. And that's about it, really. Um, of, of course, it would help if it's not in the middle of a flipping, you know, the red, what you call it, the nighttime district or one next to clubs and shit. It's not super loud, but overall... I don't necessarily care. Um, so I feel like this Airbnb's party ban thing is a little bit late to the party for the most part, if you get if you get what I mean. Most people have probably just moved on and did other things. And most people will just continue doing it anyway. I don't think these bands actually do anything. If anything, what they do is that if you do end up posting an event or you do end up kind of renting a place and doing a party there, it might put your account in jeopardy. You might get a perma ban. And I'm not too sure how easy it is to open an account on Airbnb nowadays. So I have, have had my account since I think the day got founded. I've had it ages, ages ago. So that might be the reason why they're probably doing that nowadays. But either way, Airbnb are banning parties for good on their platform for absolute good. Okay, let's continue with this one. And what's going to Oh yeah, nothing to talk about quickly before we continue on. I have actually not noticed and i really noticed it the other day i got put some instagram stories i've lost a bunch of weight a considerable amount now most of it has probably been off the back of me spending the last it feels like a month or so you know suffering from back-to-back -back illnesses right i had the issue with my tonsils and then the last thing i had to get over was a really gnarly sinus infection so effectively i've been having to just drink loads of water keep away from anything like you know dairy um keep keeping everything from like dairy not really eat that many carbs loads of legumes loads of kimchi loads of all that kind of good shit right and loads of obviously fluids so it's maybe kept me a little bit lean in terms of that way but i just noticed the other day and again it's weird how weight loss works in it because i think i mentioned on this podcast quite often that i've been really up and down on my weight for a long time ever since i was probably like 18 or something right it's always been up and down up and down like oprah and for the most part it's been good because what it does is that it gives me the self-confidence to know that i can lose it if i get big but it's also been bad because as the years progress and the older you get the harder it is to lose it so even though i know i've done it seven times or 80 times beforehand 
every time I do it, it gets harder and harder and harder to do, which is probably why it's beneficial for you to stay at a decent kind of stable weight that you can maintain or to try and keep yourself at the peak fit fitness, your fit, fit kind of goals or health goals. And then if you end up dipping, you end up dipping. But trying to yo-yo up and down all the time is really not good long-term for your health, mental, mental, your mental health either. And just in general, it just gets harder. It really, really is difficult to do. And this is somebody, this is coming from a guy who I feel like I have a lot of um, willpower. I have a lot of um, self-drive. I don't need anybody to kind of, you know, wake me up in the morning, tell me to go to the gym. I don't need anybody to tell me not to eat a certain thing. I, like, I can kind of, you know, motivate myself in that regard. And even I struggle with it. So I can only imagine what regular people who probably need a bit of encouragement, need a reason or whatnot, and don't end up doing it and why they don't end up doing it. It makes complete sense to me in that regard. But randomly, I was getting ready to go out maybe just to shops or something and I was passing the toilet when I was kind of in my you know getting myself moisturized and stuff and I didn't have my t-shirt on and I noticed straight away damn my belly looks completely different to how it did look prior at the beginning of like lockdown or maybe 2022 or whatnot I don't know what the dates were so I ended up just taking a picture of it and then I ended up going through my phone I thought hold on let me go through my phone I'm pretty sure I've got pictures of myself at my biggest right and I did take a picture of myself side by side which I'm going to upload in the podcast if you're watching the view if you're viewing the podcast you'll see if you're not obviously you won't unfortunately but essentially I took these two pictures one is I think 2020 to you know I'm um, really early on in the year or something or maybe late 2021 and obviously the one like on the right will be the one that's most recent and there's a clear difference in terms of the how big my belly is of course i'm not incredibly ripped like i'd want to be but in terms of where i've come from where i'm now is completely crazy it's also nuts like i said beforehand that i kind of noticed it in passing um and you know i wasn't really paying much attention to it and it, it all made sense because a lot of my clothes now fit a bit different my trousers you know are coming over my considerable large ass a little bit easier and it's just generally nice because a lot of the quote-unquote fashion clothes that I've had for ages that I didn't necessarily fit in are now starting to fit me again which has always been my kind of main reason or modus operandi for kind of staying trim and in shape number one was try to you know fuck more girls and number two was to make sure that I could wear cool clothes that's always been my main game and just in terms of just the vanity of just you know liking looking at myself in the mirror that I'm kind of in some sort of trim shape but it's weird how that stuff happens so I don't know if it was a result of just me being sick or if it was kind of always going to happen this way and just now the results are starting to kind of show through because I've been consistent with going to the gym for the most part you know I'd say minimum I've been going three times a week sometimes maybe one which is not really often but sometimes minimum is always three and then max is sometimes six where I go all the time consistently which doesn't obviously include going to flipping outside and going to run and whatnot or going on my bike to go and cycle for half an hour all those things have been super important and you know maybe actually thinking about it the bike might have been the little key because I did get a bike a while ago a little single speed bike that I kind of take with me every time I'm going to the gym not not much of a cycle it's like you know two minutes around the corner but in general what I do end up doing sometimes after the gym is I'll just jump on the bike and just end up riding for half an hour extra and then go to the park sit down watch pe people watch this is the music and then cycle back in half an hour so all those little things you don't really notice they kind of add up to the point where now it's kind of you know I'm at this stage now where I kind of liking what I'm seeing in terms of the mirror liking what I'm seeing in terms of how I fit into clothes so I haven't weighed myself I don't know exactly what the number is if I had to guess I'd imagine at my heaviest I might have been like 260 
maybe 270 who knows pounds and now i would say i'm probably about 240 i'm gonna say i'm probably 240 maybe 250 ish so i kind of want to get down to my goal weight which is i think i can walk around pretty comfortably around the 200 to the 220 mark of course i'd love to be 190 pounds more more days than not but you know i like croissants too much so that probably won't be possible for the long term but if i can keep myself within the 200 to 220 bracket in general i think that's a pretty decent because to lose 20 pounds in a month or in a couple of months is pretty okay but to go from losing 260 pounds plus over a couple of months all the time it takes a lot of work and something that i don't necessarily want to put my body through because you know t trying to run in the streets like trying to do a 5k when you're 260 270 is brutal because i've run them when i'm 180 right i've run them when i'm 180 pounds i've run them when i was at my lowest year which was maybe 183 so to try and run that same 5k when you're you know 100 pounds plus is just crazy um i don't want to do this to my body again because it's brutal it hurts everywhere you, you end up running on the street breathing like a flipping um water buffalo it's just horrible 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 and um yeah i'd much rather kind of stick myself in that bracket because i think 20 pounds is a far more easier thing to lose and of course 100 pounds and i just think in general 200 to 220 kind of suits my frame i build a lot better but i'm really over the moon about that i'm going to be honest like one of the main things i wanted to do during this whole time of the pandemic and stuff was to lose weight i went to obviously read a lot of books i went to obviously learn a language and sharpen up my spanish or my german or my french but that didn't happen so i got one thing done so i'm happy about that and obviously for the most part with me being a fashion kid of me being a vain kid with me being into image and all that good stuff it's just nice to be able to kind of fit back into all the clothes that i love in my wardrobe that i've kind of spent a lot of money and time buying because that's one thing i didn't want to have to start doing going out there and trying to buy like plus size clothing and shit because you know i decided that i went to gorge out during the pandemic and i didn't couldn't bother to go and just you know go to gym and shit because it's one thing if i accepted my body and stuff but i didn't want to because i knew it only came about because for the most part i was incredibly sad and somewhat depressed during the majority of the pandemic because i didn't have a job and stuff and i was just wallowing in self-pity and of course i just let myself go i'm not gonna blame the job too much because that's an excuse i just let myself go i mean i was at home just you know sometimes in the week i'd order uber eats three times in the week and shit like it's just horrendous so luckily that's now stopped and i'm now in a far more active um positive sort of mindset going forward and yeah i'm just over the moon i really am over the moon it's just weird how different those little things can what difference such a trivial thing can do for your overall outlook on life like what losing weight is not the biggest deal in the world it's not going to move a mountain it's not that inspiring because everyone does it whatever whatever it is what it is but just personally it can really shift your mood very quickly similar to what a quick run can do or going to a gym for half an hour to an hour can do or maybe having a really healthy breakfast these little tiny things that you don't necessarily think too much of um, can actually contribute to your overall mood for the long term do you know what i mean in terms of the day in terms of the week in terms of the month the year it's, it's just incredible what those things do so i don't know if you are struggling with that sort of stuff and you need some encouragement then i think you should take it from me because especially if you've been watching this podcast for a while you know i was an absolute lard ass for the most part of it especially in the beginning of the pandemic so you can actually just go back through my videos and check you to see you know how crazy i look so it's great to finally be at this sort of point now going forward that i can kind of finally look myself in the mirror and not be pissed off that i don't look like an absolute troll so that's absolutely good to see and i'm over the fucking moon about it
Um, and I think that's where I might end the show for now. And I'm going to catch up with you guys on the other tip because I've got loads of things to get through. But for now, this might be the end of the show. So thanks again for tuning in. It's been a pleasure to have your company as per usual. If it's your first time checking out the show via YouTube, you know what to do. Smash like, hit subscribe, leave a comment down below. And I'll get back to you again on the other side with more streetwear and music news coming on you at the other side. <coughs> Comes next day. So in terms of episodes, you'll be able to see and hear me talking about that stuff next episode. So keep in tune for that one. But before I wanted to check in, I just let you guys know that I'm alive and I'm not dead. I'm not dead. And if you listen to the audio podcast, you hear an audio song. If you're watching the video, you won't see anything. It'll just end. But until next time, take care, guys. Peace. And I want lots of money I don't care about clever I don't care about funny I want loads of clothes And I want loads of diamonds I heard people die while they're trying to find them And I'll take my clothes off And it will be shameless Cause everyone knows That's how you get famous I'll look at the sun And I'll look in the mirror I'm on the right track Yeah, I'm on to a winner